Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Courtney Fortune signals the offense. Sanchez moves to the high post. Pass goes to Rodney Clark on the right side. Dribbles around the left side behind the arc. Steps back. Three-pointer good. Rodney Clark with his third three-pointer of the ball game. 30 to 28. Arkansas is within two. Taylor just inside the arc, puts the shot up, no good. Rebound Sanchez. Gives it off to Fortson. Ahead it goes to Clark in the corner right side. Comes around the curl right side, pulls up, three-pointer good. Rutney Clark has knocked down another three. His fourth in the ball game. He's got 14 points now, and it's 42-38. Ah, the good old days. One of the most prolific scorers and shooters and we've seen in Recent Razorback history, without a doubt. That's Those are clips from 09, Wes, so I guess it's not that recent. It's 11 years ago, hard to believe. Seems like only yesterday we were watching Rodney Clark knock down jumpers and listen to our morning guys try to pronounce his first name. <laughs> ah, the good old days. If you'd ask about it, when, when was Rodney playing at Arkansas? I'd said uh, five, six years ago. Wasn't that long ago. How about Cordy Fortson and Michael Sanchez, Sanchez being mentioned there? Well, speaking of Rodney Clark, he joins us on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. He had a harrowing trip home from Italy. Back to Arkansas after uh, his professional league ended. Not surprising. Just about everything's ended over there right now. And uh, he's kind enough to give us a few minutes this morning. Rodney, welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, I could probably spend the next hour playing highlights from your time at Arkansas. And uh, that's not even delving into your time at Butler. So uh, lots of good memories, obviously. It's hard to believe for us how far removed you are from your time playing on the hill and really in college in general, when you you think yeah, back, that was 09. Yeah. Seemed, uh, seemed like a long time ago to you? Yeah, honestly, I was just talking to my wife, you know, being back in Fayetteville, back here, we have a house here now, and just coming back from Italy, just talking to my wife, I, I didn't even realize it had been that, it's been a decade now. So for it to be 10, 11 years, is kind of crazy to think about. Before we delve into your escape from uh, Italy, I guess that's the best way to, to say it, um, or your departure, we'll say it that way, I guess, however you want to go about that. Mad um, Dash? Yeah, Mad Dash, I guess. Just a uh, you know, smart move. But have you ever uh, gotten an official thank you from Pat Bradley for leaving Fayetteville so you didn't smash all of his records? I got to get it on no, the record. No, okay. no. I never got an official thank you, but I, I'd be open. I'd be open still okay. for one if you we're, wanted to get We're going to facilitate that at some point soon. We got to make that Sounds good. Yeah. Probably could call him right now or in the next 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and at the end of the call, we can at least get in a thank you. Yeah. All right, so we read the story. I thought it was fascinating, and, again, I'm sure you are not the only person who had to do what you had to do to get out of Italy. Um, but yeah. for those who are not familiar with the story, if you would, tell us where you were playing, kind of what was going on with your career, and, and I guess what happened over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so um... – Try to try to kind of long story. Try to make it as short as I can. No, stretch it out. Playing. We got we got to fill two hours, man. <laughs> we got all day. <laughs> okay. So uh, yeah, I was playing my seventh year. Seventh year now professionally in Italy. He's in Italy. I was playing for a city called Mantova, Italy. And uh, we had heard, you know, it's having a really good year. Got to the, you know, we're in the middle of the season, a little bit past halfway, and and. Uh, I got a, te- a text actually from my wife's mother, uh, the kind of a group message that, that showed a, a uh, just information about the coronavirus and how there were like two cases. And um, she said, you guys need to make, check on this and make sure you follow this. This could be serious. 
And, you know, it didn't really think, think anything of it. And we kind of researched it where the cases were, and it, it ended up being about 45 minutes to an hour from us. So that kind of, you know, caught our attention a little bit. And then, so we did, still didn't think much of it. You know, I really didn't think it would get as big as what we had kind of heard throughout China and everything. And all of a sudden, the next day, they're talking about 40 cases. And then kind of like you've seen all throughout the world, all of a sudden we're talking about 70. And then, you know, in three or four days, they had already canceled a game. And, um, you know, we're still thinking, okay, it's, it's one game canceled. Give it a week to settle down and we'll be okay. And, and, uh, it just kept escalating, kept getting more wild and wild. And, uh, you know, they, they basically just stopped practice for a couple of days where the league could talk about what they were going to do. And then they ended up ultimately making the decision to suspend the season as of right now until April 3rd. So it escalated very, very fast as we, you know, we've seen around the world so far. So they're telling you that they're going to try to start back up at some point here in the next few weeks. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, um, to think that obviously there's a, a lot of a lot of leagues over there right now in Europe have all been canceled for the year, which I think is obviously the smart thing to do for teams over there. But uh, you know, they've they've as of right now, I think they're going to meet again April third and kind of come to a decision on if they're going to cancel the season or they, they may drag this thing out and try and play in late April, maybe early May to finish the year. So, so you, we'll see how it goes. So you and your family are just sitting around one day and you get the word that it's kind of like the movie, get out. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly how it was. You know, we were we had already made the decision as a family because it, it had, there was the area that was an hour from us that had been red zone and quarantine. And obviously that was the whole talk of uh, – of Italy, pretty much, as that was the only area that was red zone, and we lived we lived in the Lombardy region, which is the northern. They they separated like the United States separate their regions um, in Italy. They separate the regions for, into states, so they have however many states, and we lived in that Lombardy region, which was that state. And uh, I just remember going, like getting on the bus one day, uh, heading to a practice, and they said that there was talk about our entire region being red zone and quarantine. So that kind of you know, the Americans on the team kind of ring from the phone of what's going on here. I don't know if this is serious. And um, the GM kind of said, we'll keep you informed. And I said, well, I really need to be informed because if that's going to be the case, I need to make sure and try and get my family home because I don't want them stuck here and not being – I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't want us them to take a chance of not being able to get out if they had to. So, you know, we're kind of just waiting around, and we get a text from my GM. He had talked to the mayor of the, of the city and who had kind of got more information and said, hey, if you're thinking about getting your family out, you need to get them out tonight. Mm-hmm. So we booked a flight and literally had to pack up our entire apartment for them uh, in two and a half hours and get them to the airport. It was it was pretty insane with three kids, and you know it was in the middle of the night, so it was a tough situation, but thankfully we got them out. Talking to Rodney Clark on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. So you did travel home with your family? I, I had been told maybe that you guys traveled separately. You guys all went together? I, I did not, no. Okay. So I took them to the airport, and I went back because they hadn't made a decision yet, and they were still you know, waiting around to see if we could practice even. And um, so I was going to wait it out and see what, wait for them to make a decision, just try and be as professional as I could, just to stay as long as I could. And, um so then they, a couple days, four or five days later, they made the decision just to quarantine for two weeks. So, you know, I got stuck. I was stuck. And then they came out with a travel ban for Europe and flights started going down. Flights started getting canceled. And you know, thankfully, you know, I was blessed enough to play for a club that basically just told me, hey, 
it's going to be at least two or three weeks. You just need to go home and be with your family during this time because you're not going to be able to do anything anyways. Like, we couldn't work out. We couldn't go to the gym. Literally couldn't even leave the house. So, mm-hmm. another story in itself, you know, I've, so I had to get out. I, I'd gotten a flight, and they couldn't fill the flights because all the Americans had gone home, and I had waited a little bit too long. And um, so I get, a, I get a flight. It gets canceled, and it kind of stressed me out a little bit because I'm just trying to get home to my family. And then I, I, ho- I hop on another one. I get into, I go to the airport in Bologna. My team drops me off, and I literally thought the airport, it was the craziest thing I'd ever seen through travel. Like, I really thought the airport was shut down. Like, half the lights in the airport were off. There were literally all the flights on the boards were canceled, and I got on one of the two flights out that day. Wow. And um, had to fly into Germany. And then at that time, and you know, I was sitting in Munich, and I'm planning on going to London because the U.K. was not a part of the travel ban yet. And I'm sitting in the airport watching the news when, you know, Trump makes the declaration that there's a there's now a travel ban for the U.K. So I'm thinking, shoot, man, if I get to London now, am I going to get stuck there? Oh. So luckily got to London and flew out and made to Chicago and finally back into northwest Arkansas. So four flights and two long days of travel is, is craziest thing I've been a part of. Well, luckily for you, yeah, the wheels of the federal government move slowly enough where just because he says it doesn't mean it's automatically in effect, so it takes a little time. Exactly. Uh, Lucky for you. When you touched down in Chicago, what was that feeling like to be back in America after that that two days of travel? Oh, it's it's one of the best feelings ever, you know, to know you're back in your home country and you're, you know, worst comes to worst, you still, you feel comfortable, you know, where obviously in the United States being being an American and um, I was just nervous about the the customs and everything. We we had landed, and the first thing they told us is we're gonna have to sit on no nine hour flight, and we're gonna have to sit on the plane for another fifty minutes to wait for customs and border control to to screen everyone. So it was pretty pretty crazy. Did you consider leaving with your family? I know you had responsibilities with the team, but in a situation yeah. like that, we're and I don't know what your wife was like, but I know what my wife would yeah. have been like. Was it, <laughs> were you close to go just going with them? Yeah, because. We, we're a, a very tight-knit family. We do everything together, and we, we always make decisions on where we're going. That, you know, they're always with me overseas, no matter where I go. And so, it, you know, our, my wife and I have talked about this. It, we've been married almost for six years now, and it's it's the toughest decision we've had to make as a family. Is you know, me sending them home and us being separated and not knowing, you know, what was going to happen. Uh, for me, when I was there, you having the chance of being stuck or not getting back or whatever the case was, and just. You know, sending them through the airports was a risk, and it was scary. And um, so, yeah, we, we we really struggled with that decision. And thankfully, you know, we prayed a lot about it, uh, had a lot of faith through it, and it all ended up working out how it was supposed to. Right. So we're just thankful to be back together. I've been jogging on a regular basis for the first time since probably high school, <laughs> uh, trying to find a way to not put on a bunch of weight. And uh, I'm curious what you're doing right now to try to stay ready. Yeah, so that, that was another reason, you know, obviously my family is number one, but in the back of my mind, you know, I'm sitting in that apartment in Italy, you know, not knowing if the season's going to get canceled. So I'm like, how am I going to stay in shape here? Like, I'm not being home workouts. What am I going to do? And I knew coming home, I'd be able to, you know, run outside. And that's what I've been doing at night. I've just been running through the neighborhood. My strength coach sent me a bunch of in-home workouts recently so I can do those. And then I actually got a goal set up out in the driveway. So get shots up at night, have my wife rebound, have the kids out there. And so just do whatever I can to stay, to stay game ready, which is going to be extremely hard. You know, but I think that's just a tough situation. Talking to Rodney Clark on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline, BrandonMoving.com. For those who haven't followed your career, you, you bounced around a few spots. You were having a lot of success in Italy. 
Um, t- talk, tell me about, I guess, once you left Butler, where did you end up? If you would just kind of give us a, an overview of your pro career. Yeah, so um, so I, as a rookie, um, I I just gotten engaged. You know, I didn't didn't know for sure about Europe. I I wanted to go over there, you know, with my wife, and she wasn't going to go with me the first year. So she finished school, and I went over to Australia, which wasn't a huge culture shock for me. And that's one of the main main reasons I did that. Is went over there, played my first rookie year, and had a really good year. Ended up winning the MVP that year, and bounced from there to Belgium, and uh, you know was was about an hour hour outside of Belgium or Brussels, Belgium there and went from there and, and moved up to Germany and then from Germany to back to Australia for a couple of years. And mm-hmm. then I've been in Italy the past two years. So, uh, it's, it's, I've seen a lot of countries, seen a lot of things. And actually, I'm, you know, these last two years, I think for me, Italy have been my best years so far playing professionally. 19 points a game, shooting 44% from three. And everybody would wonder, and we all watch you in college too. What, what does it take to get a chance at the NBA? It looks like you've you've yeah. had some some opportunities where you've been close a few times. Yeah, I definitely have. You know, I've came back and had some summer workouts with teams. I had a couple workouts out of college, and I think the the one regret I have is not you know trying the D, the D league at the time, just giving it a year, you know, and kind of kind of seeing what I could do for with that one year. Maybe I think you call up, maybe not coming out of college, but. uh no, I didn't go that route for whatever reason, and now I have my family to you know, to worry about, just making sure I'm providing for them, and so I'm, I'm, I've been content overseas. But you know, I've had I've had some chances and had some workouts, and actually this past summer before I went back to Italy, I had a workout with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and and they actually liked me uh, a little bit. They they asked me to come back in September and work out with you know most of the team with the coaches in there, and uh, it was really unfortunate because I had already signed a contract in Italy. I, you know, it wasn't a guaranteed thing, obviously, with the Thunder. But, you know, it was going to be a big risk with with a family and, you know, buying a house over here. It was was a decision. I just couldn't breach the contract in Italy and just had to – they told me I could maybe have another shot this summer. So we'll see if that works out. Can you paint a picture for us what it was like that last day in Italy when you left? You had mentioned not running outside, but how bad was it? What was it like? It was – you know, it was, it was a surreal feeling, you know, just hearing it. Like, you know, you hear about it being in China, and then you think, you know, obviously, I think a lot of Americans, just maybe just people all, the, all over the world, just think, okay, that's, yeah, that's not going to affect me, or I'm never going to see that. And for it to literally, for me to be in the epicenter of all that happening, just kind of, you know, looking outside and people that have to go, you know, to the pharmacies, you know, literally everyone's wearing masks. Um, I had to go to the grocery store twice. Literally, not one. I'm the only person around there not wearing a mask, and uh, it was it was just a surreal, surreal feeling. And then to go, you know, to to travel. You know, my team had to drop me off at the airport. They stopped me at the border. We're having having to ask all the questions like, "Where are you going?" You have to have a legit reason that so I had to have an actual government decree letter signed that I was leaving the country to go home with my family. So they stopped me at the border, which was kind of scary. Mm. And then just getting into you know, just seeing all of it firsthand in the airport, just literally being shut down. There's there's two gates open at the entire Bologna airport, and just to be firsthand through the through all of that, just was kind of kind of eerie and just very surreal. Have you had to get tested, or your family? Yeah. So I haven't. So my my son, when he got home, he was he was you know he was teasing a little bit, so he had a little fever. We didn't know for sure. You know, obviously we were a little nervous about it going through the airports, them screening for fevers and things, because if you had 
over a 99.5, you weren't allowed to get on the plane. So that oh, was wow. a fear for us. And then, yeah, for them getting stuck in the airport and being quarantined in the airport, I was, that was my main fear for them. But luckily, they got through the health screening, and then uh, he was showing more symptoms as he got home. He started coughing, and so we're like, shoot, like we need to get him. We need to talk to the health department and get him tested because we're, you know, we're self-quarantining for 14 days, or they were while I was away. And um, so they called the health department. My wife, you know, tells them, hey, this isn't just like parents being, you know, worried about our kid. Like we literally came from the region that, you know, the epicenter of it all. So, and he's showing all these symptoms, literally almost every symptom. So, so like he needs to get tested. And like, oh, he's not showing every symptom. And they kind of played it, played it down a little bit. And so they said, we'll monitor you for the next couple of days. So they did that. They sent, they sent my wife a text every day just checking to make sure he had the same or if he had gotten better. And my wife kept telling him he still has a fever, he still has a fever. It went on, like, for four days. And then finally I said, you need to push them. Because this isn't, like like I said, this isn't just like a, a nervous parent, like, this is like legit. Like we came from the, the worst part of Italy. And uh, so she pushed it and they finally, finally gave him a test and they all went up there and um, they basically just gave him the test under, under the assumption that if it came back positive, we would all have it just because it's so contagious, I guess, him being in the home with us. So uh, his, te- his test came back negative And since I've been home, we've just been quarantining and I think we're on day 11 now. We got three more days. Of it. Everyone's fine. What are you doing to pass the time? Just, you know, actually, it's, it's it's not that bad, you know, because I had been in the apartment for four or five days straight alone and, and just uh, just spend a lot of time with family that you really wouldn't normally get, you know, mm-hmm. just playing with the kids, running outside in the backyard, just just trying to stay busy with them and have fun. I mean, it really hasn't been that hard for me because, you know, we're kind of used to just being over there, out, uh, just away from family and kind of isolated, so being here in, in our home in Fayetteville is, is much nicer than being quarantined in our little apartment over there. Yeah. You know, musicians and athletes always amaze me, and you see these people who are so incredibly talented, and then you think, why is this person not broken out? Why have they not made it big? And I, I look at a guy like you with your mm-hmm. game and your shooting ability, especially the way the NBA has gone over the last few years, and the fact that you yeah. haven't had a chance to play uh, any minutes in the NBA is remarkable to me. So, you know, again, you're playing at a high level right now, and hopefully you get your chance to break through soon. I mean, what's the what's the next best path for you? Do you see over the next couple of years, and then you start thinking long-term, like how long do you want to keep grinding on this? Yeah, yeah, and I've, I've answered that question a couple times here recently. There's, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I just thought myself always saw myself getting a chance just because, you know, just my work ethic and how well I can shoot the ball and, I know that's that's a that's a necessity for a lot of teams, you know. And, um, whether it's my height or whatever the case was, you know, I think that honestly, if I would have maybe stuck it out a year or two uh, in the G League or D League, I would have had a chance maybe. But you know, I had kids and uh, you know had a family to support, so um, I am content being over there. I mean, it's the financially, honestly, it's, it's I would be just giving up a lot to to, to even take a chance right now in the G League, but. Um, and trying to provide for my family. But I see, you know, I've, like I, I've, these last two years, I've felt the best I've ever felt playing the game of basketball. And, you know, I just turned 30 last, or about to turn 31 this time. It's crazy. But uh, I feel like I'm at my, my peak in my prime right now. My body feels awesome. I've, I've played, put together two year, very strong years. And um, so right now, my plan, I guess, would just to be try and play as long as I can as long as my body feels healthy right now I, I don't I don't see myself playing past 34 or 35 but I guess if I I could I maybe would 
And, uh, but you know, if my kids start going to have to start school here pretty soon in a couple of years and you start thinking about coming back home and, and starting to get into a profession here. So, um, I'm not sure. We'll see how, we'll see how it goes. Honestly. What are some of the benefits of playing in Europe versus the United States? I mean, the money can be very good if you're, if you're a top level player, do they, I mean, do they hook you yeah. up? Like you get free, like pasta and veal. I mean, what's the scoop? You get gelato <laughs> oh, yeah, when you want definitely. it. I mean, what's the deal? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely, definitely uh, benefits. I mean, a lot of guys over there get get offers from the NBA, and they end up just staying in Europe just because they're making more money. A lot of it's net money. Um, you know, you know, you, 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 For me, I'm not federally taxed. I'm just state taxed now that I have property in the state. So, um, all the money I make over there is net money, and it's 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 to do that, but. You know, they take care of you. They take care of your car. You get a brand new car. You get a brand new, a really nice apartment we had the past two years. And, uh, you know, they take care of you food wise. There's always restaurants in the city that give you food, free food and stuff. And they have, they, they cover everything like your health, your health for my family. They're all covered under insurance I and mean, everything is taken care of. The only thing you worry about is, is gas and food pretty much. And wow. It's a pretty, no, no bills for anything other than, you know, the bills I'm paying on my house back here. So. It's a, it's a really nice situation. They pay they, if you you know if you're playing at the top level, they pay you really well, and um, it's it's a good situation. It's a good thing to to be involved in. Well, I know you're thinking long term now, and hopefully you can play until you're Tom Brady's age. But at some point, <laughs> it comes to an end as a player. What's your what's your plan long term? Do you have a, a thought process after basketball? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people just assumed I would I would coach, and you know, I don't know how I'm going to try as hard as I can to kind of stay away from the game because I really just want to. I really want to just sit back and be able to watch my kids play and just enjoy that just because I've been involved in it so long and, and, you know, playing really takes a toll on you as well. And after, you know, if I, I played close to 12, 13 years, that's, that takes a toll on your body as well. And, but, you know, just coaching, I think I would fall back on basketball as a plan B for me, you know, just being a coach or at the high school level, whatever, whatever case that is. And I think that my main priority right now is I'm very interested talk to some friends and family going into like pharmaceutical sales and things like that. And, uh, I graduated with a public, public, uh, speaking degree. So no, I'm, I'm, that's something I'd be interested in the selling and things like that. So, uh, that'd be my main priority is trying to find a job like that first. And then if I had to fall back on basketball, I think I could always do that. Do you have any concerns about going back to finish out the season? I do. I do. Honestly, um, kind of deep down kind of just hoping that they just cancel the season just so I don't even have to worry about it and uh, kind of come to a, maybe hopefully a settlement with my team that they'll maybe pay me half of what I'm still owed or whatever the case is because it you know it's 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 crazy to think with the cases and the deaths over there and now I know I'm not technically at risk because of my age and I'm healthy and all that but still it's you know it's kind of scary going back over there even to the airports and you're taking a risk and so I mean, this is a little work. I'm a little nervous about that, but you know, if it comes to a point to where late April, early May, and it's you know, it's settled down a little bit, hopefully, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Honestly, I'm not even sure what's going to happen right now, but I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. You've got a position, and 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 you've seen things that a lot of people haven't seen. What would be your advice for the Arkansans that are just now starting to deal with something that yeah, is, you're you're ahead of it. You've been you've been there in Italy where it. it it's way ahead of us. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I, you know, have talked about that a lot just with people we talk to around here. And it's normal. I think, you know, as Americans, we kind of feel like nothing will ever affect us. And I know for myself, I felt like that. And, you know, living here and then 
living in Italy before I even got there, I just felt like, you know, nothing's going to happen. And then you see it firsthand and you realize how serious it is, no matter, you know, what age you are. And, um, you know, we've just been given advice that you, you got to stay home I and mean, be as smart as you possibly can. Obviously, it's, to be responsible and because you're not, you may not be putting yourself at risk, like we've heard from, you know, everyone talk about it, but you're putting the, the, the people, when you're going out and being around people, you're putting the older people and the vulnerable people at risk. And you know, that could mean death for some people. And it's a, it's a serious, serious thing. And I think that, you know, we've, I've had to tell friends and family and my wife has to, you know, look guys, our family, like this, this is serious. Like just stay home. Don't do anything. Don't go anywhere. You got to go somewhere, be smart, be cautious and just, you know, it's just it's it's a tough tough thing because we're trying to to relay that information to people who really aren't taking it seriously. You know, around us and it's uh, seeing it firsthand. We've we've seen how crazy it could get. Rodney, I remember before we let you go. Um, I think I don't know where I was. I was out of town. Maybe we were covering a football game out of town because it was early in the season. And mm-hmm. I got a call, and somebody's like. Dude, you're not gonna believe this. I'm like, what? He's like, Ronnie Clark scored 51 tonight in in a win. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, dude. And uh, it was the first game of the year. And he went crazy and hit like 13 threes, set a set a conference record and all that. Um, now that you're yeah. a little further removed, anything that stands out about your time playing up there? I think honestly, um, you know, that's obviously one game to to, to see Arkansas, just to know the you know just all the experience and all the. Just the Arkansas University and the history and the tradition of all that, all the players that have come through there and, you know, been NBA players, like to know, to actually know the university, know the history and tradition is pretty, pretty awesome to say that, you know, I have, I'm in the record books like that. Like to have the, the, the SEC record and the Arkansas record of threes and, you know, made in one game and then the scoring record. It's, it's a pretty cool accomplishment. It's something that I'm very proud of, you know, that obviously couldn't happen with just me. Uh, a lot of things went into that, but, uh, that's pretty cool. And then, honestly, just like I watch some of these games still, and a lot of people don't think I keep up with Arkansas still. And I wish, I wish I would have had, I was really involved with like social media and Twitter and things like that at that time, just because I feel like I could have got, you know, how I felt out to some, to more people that understood me. And I think that would have helped. But it was kind of just, just assumptions here and there. But you know, just just being able to play, watching these games on TV, and you know, watching. Mason Jones and, and Isaiah Joe hit shots at certain times in, in the arena being filled. Just that's what you remember is like just the, the fan base and the the atmosphere and Bud Walton when that place was packed and just all those situations and you know just always. I mean, I still walk around today and people still notice me. I mean, that's that's not normal for an entire state to you know to follow one program like they do and it's a pretty pretty cool pretty cool thing and I think uh, hopefully a lot of recruits see that because I saw that coming to Arkansas. It's one of the main reasons, you know, I wanted to come is just because of the passionate fan base. So it's, uh, those are the things you I don't really remember specific things outside of maybe a record game or something like that, but being able to play in front of that fan base and, and playing in a place like Bud Walton was, was something that no one can ever take away from me. There's been a lot of water under the bridge from the time you went from Arkansas to Butler to where we are today. If you had yep. social media, what would you have said? What would you have said to fans as you departed to go to Butler? I, I think I would just, just tell them how I was feeling. Like, honestly, just laid it all out there to where, you know, this is where I'm at. Like, I'm not trying to, to hurt anyone. Like, I, I've made so many awesome relationships. In three years, that I did it three 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 years at Arkansas, traveled all around, you know, speaking places, and, and met so many people, and to have all the support that I had for those three years, that's what made it. Like it wasn't even about 
anything else. That's what made it so hard for me was the relationships and the fans. And, you know, I just felt that connection with everyone and the, the passion. And that was the hard thing for you know, one of the toughest things I've ever made in my life. And, and at that point, I just had to think about what was best for me. And I, I wish I could have just re- relayed that information out to everyone at that time. And I know the people who really knew me, you know, knew what was new. We're still going to support me no matter what, but I think that you know I, I still have, I still today have a lot of people you know message me and they're still mad at me or send me whatever yeah but you transferred you did this and I was like yeah I did but you know I, I wasn't something I was trying to maybe this is how the situation was handled which a lot of that was was kind of uh, false and some of the accusations that were put out but and maybe I just could have cleared some of that stuff up at the time but and I think it would have maybe been a little bit better maybe not what was I it? wish I could have just. What was the number one falsehood you heard that you'd like to clear the air on? Well, I think for me, I, I think a lot of people thought that I went out and was trying to make a big deal about the situation. And I really wasn't trying to do that. And, you know, other places got involved because they heard the story and were asking me. And I was trying to keep it as, as low key as I possibly could because that's just, this wasn't me to go mm-hmm. out and make a big deal about things. And people who really knew me knew that. Like I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't like attention. And, you know, I would rather just walk around and it was awesome. Everyone, you know, seeing me and, and saying hi, but I'm not, I was a pretty, I'm a pretty humble person. And you know, I, I, it wasn't something I wanted to make all about myself. And I knew, I knew that's what it looked like because I was trying to leave and I wanted to transfer whatever the case was. But, you know, at first I was, honestly, I was not, I was told that I was not going to get my release. And I think a lot of people thought I may have lied about that, but that was, that was just the fact of the matter. I was told I wasn't going to get it. And I had to do a little bit more fighting to get that. And I don't know if people realize that or not, but uh, I think I just wanted people to know that I really wasn't trying to be a jerk about it. Obviously, I mean, I love the university. I still follow Arkansas. I'm, I don't care whether I get booed out of the arena or not. I'm st- when, I, when I get home and stay here, I'm still going to hopefully go to games and, and just be a part of the university. And hopefully my kids end up being here one day. I don't know, but... Uh, you know, I love the university, and I've always, I've always loved playing there, and, and uh, respect, respect all the fans and everything. Well, I will say, anybody who boos you is a fool, and it was. We were all <laughs> disappointed when you left, but I mean, I think we understood yeah, there were probably sure. some underlying reasons, and you got to do what's best for yeah. you. I understand that your your yeah. your period of time where you can help yourself is so short. So, um, yeah. yeah, look, you're a class act. I mean, you were one of the hardest working guys we've seen up there. So, Thank I mean, you got to you got to respect that, and we can't wish anything but the best, man. I really appreciate that. That means a lot. Yeah. It really does. Well, good luck with everything, and uh, hopefully we see you back in Italy when things are safe. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you. Ship- I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, ship thank a- you. Ship us home some Noki and some, uh, <laughs> some uh, you know, some veal or whatever you can get your hands on, man. We'll take you. it. Yeah. I got you. I'll do. All right, I'll brother. Do. All right. Ciao All for right. now. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks. Bye. See you. That was cool. It was. I wasn't going to go there, but he brought it up, so I was like, well. Let's clear the air now. It's been a long time. and It has been, but it hasn't really been discussed that much since he left. Well, like he said, he was a quiet guy. He Even in post-game interviews, he didn't talk much. I mean, he was never a real talkative guy. He let his actions speak for himself, and they spoke loudly. You know, here we are a day when, I guess, the day after Jalen Harris is leaving, but because a lot of people feel like he's not going to help the team that much, it's no big deal. Right. It's amazing how but it's Rodney different. But Rodney Clark yeah. leaves – and it's a huge deal because he may have helped it, but it was a similar, you know. It's of course new coach, both scenarios, different styles. Doesn't really fit the player. They don't feel like that style fits them. So 
one gets criticized, the other one, hey, have a good career. Well, good, and, good and luck. Again, for every guy like that, there's a Joe Klein that transfers in. So, I mean, there are guys that benefit you by transferring as well. So, Jimmy Witt? Yeah, I mean, you can't – I just – you know, anybody who doesn't appreciate Rodney Clark for all the fun we had watching him play in a Razorback uniform, I think you're crazy. And, look, I was disappointed. I wasn't mad at him. But I was disappointed I could see him his last yeah. year up there. And Pat and I would sit here and debate, no, he can play in this system and be a, and thrive in this system because Rodney's the kind of player where he can thrive in any system. He's too good a player. But it was disappointing. That was all I felt was disappointment. I wasn't mad at him. So, anyway, I wish him well. I'm glad to see him around. Hey, it uh, worked out well for him. Well, obviously, it, it had an impression he wants to come back and live in Arkansas permanently yeah. once he's all done, so that's kind of cool. Anyway, I appreciate him making the time. That was cool. Thanks for setting that up. That was fun. We're behind. We're going to talk to Dustin Turner after the break. Stay with us. Find out what's going on in the housing market. If you're looking to buy or looking to sell, uh, this will be some good information for you. That was fun. If you missed it, Rodney Clark, very eye-opening interview, I thought, talking about Getting out of Italy in a quick hurry because of the COVID outbreak there. And then also clearing the air on some things about his uh, departure from Arkansas to go to Butler. thought that was interesting. I'll try to get him on again if he heads back over there at some point, And hopefully it will be perfectly safe if that does come to pass. And he's going to have to make a tough decision if, you know, COVID isn't completely cleared out of Italy and they want to start the league back. So we'll see what happens over there. But um, anyway, that was, uh, that was fun. He's an easy guy to root for, for sure. And I got to respect the work ethic. And I hope he... Has good things ahead for him. Let's go back to the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. Dustin Turner has become a friend of the zone over the last several months. You hear me talk about him all the time. Uh, and I thought it was particularly interesting to talk to him right now, considering what's going on with the housing market. And, Dustin, we appreciate you coming on with us, buddy. And this is a tough time for everybody. But, as we've mentioned many times on the show, there are certain things in the world that are continuing to happen. And, unfortunately, that can include other illnesses and other issues that come up with life, and also people trying to buy and sell homes. That's part of the process as well, and I'm sure in this environment things are especially unique for you and people in your industry. Yeah, uh, Justin, it's a crazy time, right? This normally would be the absolute best time of the year to, to buy and sell. You know, we're coming into end of March. April and May are kind of the golden window for buying and selling a house. Homes that are listed for sale in April and May generally sell for 1% to 2% more than they would any other time of the year. And uh, with the interest rates at these crazy low rates, it's, I mean, historic low rates, um, we've never seen these kind of rates before in our lives. I remember when I bought my first house, um, my interest rate was 795 <laughs> and I was so happy to get it <laughs> under 8 <laughs> I was I was, felt like I had done really well there, you know. But now we're seeing people, these rates are hovering in the low threes. And I even heard of a guy who got a 2.75% 30-year fix this, this month. Wow, that's crazy. Um, so it should be, right? All those uh, conditions should add up to a fantastic time to buy and sell. But, right, we've got the coronavirus, and that's changing the game right now. So what? Are, how are you handling that? How can you sort of assuage fears for your potential buyers or sellers continue to do some business and let people take advantage of this? Yeah, good question. So, uh, you know, we're trying to adjust to the situation just like everybody else. And thankfully, our market hasn't been hit as bad as some of our colleagues in, you know, New Jersey, New York, California's people that I'm connected with. Their, their offices are completely closed. They can't show. They can't uh, write offers. They can't uh, close on pending transactions. Oh, and a matter of fact, we've got a home for sale here in Little Rock that is under contract. It was supposed to close uh, two weeks ago, but the buyers are in New York. 
mm. and the lenders closed down, the title companies closed down. We're just we're just on hold. Um, thankfully, our market hasn't been hit as bad, and we're still showing properties. We're still writing offers. We have a number of showings on our properties today, even. Um, but and you know, really, the conditions for why people buy and sell those still exist, right? People are still changing jobs. Um, they're having kids. They need bigger homes. Mm-hmm. They're uh, empty nesters. They need to downsize. They have changes in marital status. All those conditions still remain the same. The question is simply like, how can we help people conduct real estate transactions right now that in a wise and prudent you know manner? One of the other things I had read this week was that the low rates, good, but the stock market issues, bad, and so they'd somewhat balanced out. Yesterday, we got a huge boost to the stock market, and again, I hope that helps people, it just reminds them, everybody knows the market's going to come back at some point. It came back in a big way, an unprecedented way yesterday, and I hope that that helps people feel a little more confident in doing what they need to do from a real estate standpoint. Yeah, you know, the market is kind of a scary deal that could impact people, certainly people closer to retirement age, people that are relying on that income for um, their, their you know, their daily needs or for purchasing a house. That's going to really impact them right now. But for the average buyer, you know, the lenders are looking at their W-2s, their, um, their pay stubs. They're looking at what they got in the bank. And so... Hopefully, for most of us who are a little earlier in life, um, you know, the stock market isn't going to impact our ability to buy and sell right now. So, you know, fingers crossed, the people who are really feeling it right now are those people who have rentals and you're renting to uh, tenants who are, you know, are caught in this shutdown with the service industry. Those folks are really feeling it right now. So folks who have struggled, and we've talked about this on the show quite a bit, folks who have struggled to sell their home, and I always say, if don't try to sell your home, sell your home. But you got to get the right team working on it, and we feel like your team has done a, a great job, and we've got plenty of uh, anecdotal evidence of that. So for folks who want to move on and give your team a try, how do they get a hold of you and your your folks to uh, to see if they can get their home sold in this in this environment, or really any time? Yeah, Justin, so um, the best way, if you're – Anybody who's thinking about buying and selling right now, they need to. There's still some options, and we've got uh, a lot of tools um, and technology that are able to um, enable us to write uh, contracts electronically, do virtual showings, virtual tours. Um, The technology exists to continue a transaction and keep it together. Um, If if you've got a buy or sell right now, and we can do it uh, carefully so that you're protected, and if you want to have that conversation, you want to see what are some options for you, uh, I'd say the best thing to do is to start on our website, hometeamsoldit.com. Shameless plug here, you know, yeah. hometeamsoldit.com. Uh, give us a shout. We'll sit down with you. We've actually got, right now we're doing a virtual home buying program to help you completely purchase a home in the most protected and uh, safe way possible. And uh, we can walk you through it. So just give us a call or, you know, fill out the form on our website, and we'd love to have that conversation. Yeah, the phone number is 501-952-2969, 501-952-2969. Before we let you go, you guys are trying to keep business moving. I'm glad to hear that things have not been as bad as maybe some people would have anticipated in your industry. But I can't help but think there might be an explosion once this thing gets passed a few months down the road. Are you anticipating the same? 
Yeah, I am. I'll tell you, a lot of folks are just kind of waiting this out, um, but there's a lot of pent-up demand. Inventory is still incredibly low. Uh, interest rates are still incredibly low. As soon as um, the virus begins to die down and people can feel comfortable getting back out and sellers can feel comfortable again letting people into their homes, I expect this thing to heat right back up. We, we already were up. Uh, you know, year over year during the first two months of the year versus 2019, it's just, we just have a pause right now. But it's gonna it's gonna fire right back up as soon as everybody feels comfortable. Yeah, I hope that's the case for you guys as well, man. I really appreciate you very much, and uh, good luck out there. And we'll catch up again here soon after some of this has died down a little bit. Awesome, Justin. Thanks for having me on. Uh, all right, take care. Yeah, Dustin Turner, good stuff, man. Does a great job. And again, the evidence is there. You've seen the, the you know, we told you the stories on the show many times over about how successful they've been, even with people who have struggled to sell their homes, had it on the market for a year, and then they get multiple offers because Dustin's got a little different approach. And they're keeping you moving in the market right now when things have slowed down around. And again, business goes on, life goes on a little bit differently right now. But if you need to sell your home, that's your number one priority right now. We were talking about little things like getting your taxes filed. I mean, there are certain things you got to get done. I mean, there are certain things. If, and if, if you've ever tried to sell a home, well, she's been there. You guys bought mm-hmm. a home not too long ago. That's the most important thing. It's I, I obsess about things like that. When it's a big deal, like a home purchase or a home sale, that's all I think about. So if that's hanging over your head and you need to get out, you maybe you need to downsize. You know, maybe you'd like to draw a little bit of that equity back in right now. Um, man. It's 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 you're desperate to get the job done, so you got to get the right person on the deal. One of the best uh, calls I can remember is from that agent saying. We got an offer, and we're going to accept. There ain't no doubt. That's, that's that is great. a great feeling. Great man. feeling. No Get question. it done. A couple of Razorback notes we'll share with you coming up. We've got a really lengthy entertainment list. And 1230, folks, we told you before, I'll tell you again right now, Thug Nasty. How's he dealing with COVID-19? Violently, I imagine. We'll get his thoughts coming up. Only a couple minutes left. we got a really fun entertainment report coming up for you in the next 30 minutes. Some great sound. This lady in Chicago got into it with a woman at the grocery store, and it's great audio, and I love it. It just shows the toughness of the American people. Also, Michael Rapaport with a plea to parents on keeping their kids under watch. Mm. A very profane, impassioned plea. Good stuff. I'll share it coming up. Let me get Will in here, and then we'll hit the top of the hour. What's up, Will? Hey, guys, how you doing? Good, uh, man. First, first of all, I want to say thank you for putting out all the good information during this time. Uh, uh, sometimes I'm critical of you guys, but you guys have been awesome through this, and I appreciate that. Um, but I, I did have a, uh, some criticism for the morning show, um, but they won't take my call because they're, they're kind of childish. Uh, <clears throat> but French Hill said uh, Speaker Pelosi had some shenanigans going on or something. Man, I won't get into this with you. Every day, this guy. Hilarious. Um, yep. If you got a problem with the morning show, call the morning show. Got a problem with drive time? Call drive time. Can't get on the air. It's probably because you've been a dope in the past. So that's all. Just keep that in mind. Don't be a, don't be a jerk, and uh, they'll probably let you on the air. They let Tiger Bait on for God's sakes. You got to be pretty bad if they won't let you in. Eleven fifty eight. Back in a minute.